For those who have been following my journey, at this point, I am now admitted into the hospital and I'm waiting for a surgery. So my whole idea of me time and Netflix binging wasn't exactly how I thought it would go as I'm now doing a colon cleanse. So I know how that feels. If you listened earlier, I described how that feels. Um, bonuses at doing it in a hospital is that the hospital bathrooms are f like fully equipped with like handles on either side of the toilet so you can just sit there get a good grip and let it take over you also cleanup is not done by you or family members so that's kind of nice because there is cleanup involved um negatives is that you are sharing a bathroom so while i'm in there i get a lot of knocking on the door and i feel pretty bad as other patients have to go elsewhere to find a bathroom because there is no way i can stop in the middle you you don't pinch off a colon cleanse poo and also the nurses are pretty intense that you finish that whole bottle. So at home, I did as much as I can and I left maybe a glass that I couldn't. Not here. They want you to finish the whole thing. And at this point, I'm like, I, I am clean. And I didn't get dinner because, well, I hadn't, I thought I'd go in at this time. It was like two in the afternoon, the time I finished doing the intake and that. And they're like, no, we need to start the colon cleanse. So I'm hungry and doing this colon cleanse. So in between bathroom visits, I'm trying to watch Netflix, I guess, but it's a very start and stop. So I couldn't really follow anything. So that was my first night. Also going into the hospital, you are only allowed the same visitor. So during intake, they ask you who is going to be your one visitor and no kids are allowed on the ward. So we decided it was going to be my husband, mostly because it, it's, it's him and he wants to be there with me. But also this way my mom could watch the kids. And he was driving to the north end of the city. So he was working and then he would drive to the north end of the city to see his dad and be with his mom. And then he would come down and see me. But up until my surgery, he didn't come see me because he was elsewhere. He was spending time with his dad and I'm okay with that. But we did talk on the phone a lot. And during this time, I have never felt so helpless. I kept trying to reach out to people, family, and just, I wanted to know what was going on with Papa. I wanted to be there in any way I could. And I felt like people weren't really telling me everything because they didn't want to burden me. I was going through my own thing. So they didn't want to add more to my plate while I was in the, in the hospital and I just felt helpless and isolated. So no visitors and knowing that there's this tragedy going on with my family outside that I couldn't be a part of. I couldn't support them and I didn't even know if I was even getting all the information because no one was forthcoming. I remember talking to my husband and tell me, give me more and maybe he didn't know a lot more but it's also harder to kind of stay on a phone and through text and in person as well. So there was that. So that time in the hospital, I have never felt so isolated, so helpless, 
and just frustrated because my hands were tied. I was able to reach out to some friends though. So at this point, only close family members and really close friends kind of knew what was going on. And I was hoping some of these close friends could help support my husband too when I couldn't be there. So that was another reason for trying to reach out to friends. And when you're reaching out to friends with um, a serious car accident in the family to support my husband, it my condition or what I was going through naturally came up because it's, you know, how are the kids? How's Amanda doing? How's this? Well, we're not doing great actually. And this is why. So that was my waiting and I'm doing my colon cleanse in the hospital and just feeling isolated. And any nurse who came in, I just wanted to talk to someone or just have someone talk to me. So I think every nurse that came in, you know, how are you feeling? Well, not great. And I'm here in a hospital. And also my, my father-in-law had this serious accident and I, I just wanted someone to sit down and talk with. And I, in person and I, nurses are run off their feet. So that was not happening. Um, so I, I did the first night and I'm supposed to be waiting for the surgery because it could happen first thing in the morning. So about 8.39, they come in and they think, well, right, it's not going to happen first thing in the morning at all. So you can have a sip of water, but that's it because it could happen anytime during the day. So all day I had to have my last sip of water, I think at eight or nine in the morning, they come in, wake you up and do blood work. I completely forgot about the daily blood work that they have in the hospital. So you wake up to someone coming in and asking for your blood. And so throughout the day, again, I've got this dull headache starting now because I'm not allowed to eat anything and no water either because they want you to be as clean as a whistle when they're going up there. Um, and I get fitted for my um, stoma too. So my colostomy bag. So the nurse comes in and she's going to outfit me with my potential colostomy bag. Because every time you go in and have a surgery, it's a 50-50% chance that you'll have one. And then from there, it's a 50-50 chance if it'll be permanent or temporary. And they don't know. They don't know until they get in there and do the surgery. So she comes in and she's got her um, pen and she's going to draw circles of where they could put it. So one on each side for depending on what works best with the surgeon. And you gotta, you sort of gotta stand up straight because it's gotta be comfortable. You don't, you know, where do you usually wear your pants? You don't want your pants to be over it. And then you kind of gotta sit down and see where your natural rolls are because you don't want your tummy rolls to get involved. And I also have diastasis, diastasis. I, I have heard that word pronounced so many times by so many different people. But from being pregnant, I have what's called separation of the abs. And I've done physio and brought it closer together, but it's still there. And so because of that too, they got to kind of plan around that. So she's, you know, pushing on my stomach, trying to figure out where that is so she can plan on either side. So she puts these giant black dots on my stomach and she's like, I can make them eyes if you want, like just frowny eyes. And it was tempting, but I was like, no, just leave it. And she puts tape over it because you don't want to wipe it off and in case you have a shower or just anything. So I got these two large like dots on my stomach and I'm worried about the colostomy at this point and I've heard people say you know like you're gonna get the cancer removed the, the, the colostomy bag is like the least of your worries and if it's temporary it's for your body to heal but a colostomy bag is a big thing and it's a pig image thing it's uh so much part of your body image 
And I remember when the first possibility that we'd heard that this is a possibility came up. And I remember looking at my husband, telling him, you know, what it is. So essentially it's uh, your intestine gets diverted outside your body. So you pretty much poop in a bag and you clean that up and that's what happens. And the look on his face, that quick look before you're able to cover it up to show your support look and all the rest was like of disgust. And I just felt, oh my gosh, if I get one, I am disgusting. And yeah, my feelings were hurt. But deep, deep down, I was like, what if the roles were reversed? Would I be okay with my husband having colostomy bag? Well, of course, health reasons, of course, you make it work. But body image and attractiveness is so much part of our relationship too, right? And I mean, there are times I'm sure I've threatened my husband with less than a colostomy bag. I mean, sometimes he grows this nasty beard, which I dislike. And there are times we've done where we tried to wait each other out for shaving. So he's not going to shave his beard. So I'm not going to do any shaving either. And we try to see who can hold out the longest. He usually wins. But there's things that are less that, you know, you're like, I don't find that attractive. And a colossal bag, temporary or not, but a permanent one. And it's not like I'm elderly. If I have a permanent colossal bag, that means I haven't even lived half my life that I want to live. And I'll have this bag and I mean, I'll get used to it and all the rest, but I I don't want one. And I know if they get this out and all the rest, a colossal bag is the least of my worries. But that selfish part of me does not want one. And I want my husband to be attracted to me and, and to look at me. I mean, I know we have a strong relationship. I know he's not going to just leave me because I have this stoma now if I did it, have one, but I still want him to like find me somewhat attractive. So there's that worry as well. Um, so again, a full day of waiting and, and no surgery. So they come in at 11 o'clock at night and yeah, the surgery is not going to happen today. So this was all day Friday. Uh, you can have water again, but you have to stop at midnight. So you can have as much water as you want until midnight. Or, yeah, so not very long, considering it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm tired, and I've got this dull headache. So watching Netflix with a headache with this backlit screen is not easy. I did a bit of reading. I'm also worried about my father-in-law. Just trying to get any information I can, and you're stuck inside your own head. So, I, I mean, you chug water and that, and you're waiting. And the surgery could still happen the next day. So, again, next day comes. And it's the same thing. You're, it's this waiting. And again, no water. And I am starving at this point. Starving. So, I mean, it's essentially been almost two days with, with nothing. And it's Saturday. And so Saturday late night, they thought it, when the surgery didn't happen again. And I mean, it's a long weekend too. That they're going to now um, hook me up to an IV. Because I got to get liquids in me somehow. And they're going to give me a clear broth to have. Because I got to put something in they don't want me passing out so I had my clear broth and I'm now hooked up to an IV and the same drill you can have water till midnight then you have to stop so your last sip kind of has to be at midnight so I did that and we're going into Sunday now and the talk is well if it doesn't happen day now what like I can't just keep living off of 
nothing and an IV and maybe a little cup of broth, clear broth at night. So if it's going to happen on Monday, they think the latest, because they said it's got to be Monday the latest because my surgeon is off call then, that maybe they'd send me home because staying in the hospital um, and they'd feed me and then I'd come back in. But there wouldn't be enough time to be, to have a, another colon cleanse in that time. So I wouldn't be able to eat like a heavy meal, but just clear broths and that and some applesauce. But the chances are that I'd have a higher chance of getting a colostomy bag if I did this because I wouldn't be 100% cleared out. So that means there's more chance for infection. And in my head already with this whole worry about the stoma, the colostomy bag, same thing. I was like, I, I don't want that. Yes, the thought of eating was something that I wanted so bad. And the thought of going home under this hospital and I could check in with my family. I wanted that so bad too. But um, I, I just didn't want that chance of having a, a, a stoma. And that extra chance, and I, so I tell my doctor, I, I can, I, I can push through, I can do it. Um, so my husband, I, my timelines are kind of getting all mixed up, but I'm pretty sure he came in to visit me, and the nurse is like, "Get outside! You've been trapped in this hospital. Like, just go outside. I trust you." So put your mask on. And so my husband and I went outside, and I remember we called my mom and we're like, "Can we bring the kids by? Because they're not allowed in the hospital, but they had already gone to a park or done something, which was okay." But it was, so was my husband and I, and so, you know, we talked about Papa, and I, I just, we gave him the biggest hug, and we're sitting on this bench outside this tennis court, just outside the hospital. And I wanted to be there for him, and I, and I didn't know how, and you can tell he's worried about his dad, and his mom, and the rest of his family, and me, and there's so much, and I didn't want to give him the whole burden of the stoma if I got out of the hospital and that so I kind of just I think brushed over it and I, I'm staying in I'm gonna be fine don't worry about me I'm fine you just go worry about the kids give them a big hug how are they doing has have they asked about Papa and they luckily they they hadn't asked about Papa and it's probably because they had so much on their mind it was um, my mom and my stepdad at this point um, I'm in the hospital so it never really came up about Papa, which was nice because we had thought we would just cross that bridge when it came and we didn't have to cross that bridge. So that was nice. Um, but, you know, Noah's, or sorry, my son is definitely more worried. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the hospital and he wants to know I'm okay and yeah, tell him I'm fine. So we go in um, and I end up getting in for surgery late Sunday night. So uh, thank thank the stars above me everything because I honestly don't know if I could have held out another day of nothing but water um and I end up having that surgery that night so they come in and like you're going for surgery so that literally gives me 30 seconds to make a phone call to my husband and my family I'm going in for surgery now and they're going to call you in three and a half hours when the surgery is done and let you know how it went so that won't be till 9 30 10 30 at night something like that so stay up for it and it, it was so fast. Like you all of a sudden like, Kate, you need to take this drug before you go in for surgery. We got to prep you and we're wheeling you in and it's late at night and I'm getting wheeled in and to this hospital. And before you go in, they want to read you, um, all the 
potential risks that could happen with this kind of surgery. So you know you're going for a resection, yeah. You know that you could end up with a colostomy bag, yeah, yeah, they marked me out, okay. Um, but there's other risks, like it's it's a major surgery. You could have infection, I mean, you could nick another organ, you might not make it, it could be permanent damage, blah, 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 and sign it, please. So you're getting all these like, what? And you have to sign it before you go in. And of course, the nurse is like, well, we're, we're really hoping none of this happens. And I'm like, well, I'm really hoping none of that happens too. But you sign it and you go in and they transfer you to this ice cold table and strap you down. And they're going to start with the drugs. And I'm scared at this point. Like you're, you're alone. You're scared. The last thing you remember is signing off that you might not make it through the surgery. I mean, I've had C-sections that before, but it was, it's very different. Like you get something taken out and you get to come home with a baby. I wasn't coming home with a baby this time. I was getting something, a cancer out of me. And I remember just closing my eyes as they put the mask over me and I'm, and I reach out to my grandpa and I'm just like, I don't want to meet you yet. Just so you know, I, one day I would love to see you again, but I do not, I'm not ready for this. I just, please, please, please make it okay. And then I thought of Papa and I was like, I don't know if I was hoping that we had this crazy connection because I was going to go into this coma too. And he was in the hospital and I was in the hospital at the same time. And I was just like, if I'm going to do this and pull through, then you have to pull through. And it was like this bargain I made with him, not that he answered. And I went to sleep thinking of, I had images of Disneyland in my head and the last big family trip we took. So it was kind of calming, but not so much calming. And then they, they, you know, put the mask on you and you breathe and, and you're out and you don't remember anything at all until you wake up. And that's kind of how it went. And from there, it's, I guess you're hoping for the best. So onwards and upwards, they're getting this cancer out of me so I can just move on and be done with it. And that's my whole hope. I just wanted this to be some blip on the radar, just this negative memory, this bad patch that was like one and done, move on. And this was what I needed to get there.